It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Sure. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Greetings, my friends. How are you today? If you're listening live here on a Jersey Shore on 92.7 WOBM, cold winter-like morning here on the Jersey Shore. Very, very cold weekend uh, here in New Jersey. Uh, I think it was 28 degrees when I got up this morning. Very, very cold here on this pre-Thanksgiving Sunday, almost the holidays. I guess you could officially say it's the holiday season has started. And here on WOBM 92.7, nonstop 24-7 Christmas music. And uh, except for the two hours Sunday morning when we're here talking money markets and politics. Anyway, how you doing today, Paul? I'm doing good, Lou. I, uh, I had a rough couple of days. Um and uh, Thursday night, I went out to dinner with my wife, Sue, and uh, it was my son-in-law's birthday. So I went with my son-in-law and my daughter, and we went to a, a really good restaurant on, on Long Beach Island. Uh, had a wonderful meal. One of the best meals we've had in a really long time. By the time I got home, I was feeling nauseous. Uh, and I proceeded to spend the next 24 hours uh, mostly in the bathroom. Oh, that's not good. Oh, yeah. So I thought for sure I had food poison. Right, it must have ate something bad, and 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 it was so disturbing because it was such a wonderful meal, and and I don't want to ma- mention the restaurant. I've gone there many times, and it was just wonderful. And 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 you know, it's hard to get a table; they turn over a lot, so it's not like it was a, you know, a risky place to eat. It wasn't, uh, but uh, for forty eight hours, I was not wow well, uh, uh, up until yesterday, last night. So I thought for sure I had food poisoning, but then last night, my wife got sick. Oh, yeah. So uh, she was in the bathroom all night. So obviously I had a flu or a stomach bug or some kind. There has Wait, been something going around. Has it really? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, uh, well, it got to me and it got to my wife, unfortunately. Uh, in one aspect, I'm glad one of my favorite restaurants didn't poison me. <laughs> That's good. Uh, but it must be about, I would say, uh, 10 years since I had a stomach bug. And you know what? I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. Uh, Yeah, most of us. uh, So if we have a longer than usual breaks uh, during the show, you know what's going on. Anyway, uh, on the financial position, we talk money, markets, and politics and anything that affects your life. Love your phone calls if you want to participate in the program. You got an opinion, a financial question, or just want to chime in on anything, 732-237-9626 is... The call number. Lots to talk about today. We finally look like we're getting to uh, maybe the end of the election. Uh, uh, What is it? Two and a half weeks since the election. uh, And there's still uh, races to be called. Uh, It's just a disgrace uh, what this country has come to in our electoral system. And we'll talk about that uh, later in the program. But it's it's an embarrassment. It really is. And and the rest of the world... uh, 
the prestige of the United States of America uh, has really, really, really plummeted. Uh, certainly in the last 10 years or so, but but accelerating since uh, the inauguration of uh, Joe Biden. And we'll talk more about politics in the second hour, but uh, we have a real crisis here and, uh, and it really needs to be dealt with. Otherwise, our country's um, best days are behind us. And I, and I hate to say that, uh, but maybe not. Uh, we'll talk about that. But let's start off talking about what I've been wanting to get to for some time, and that's the retirement crisis coming to America. Actually, it's already here. Uh, but as the years go on, it's going to get worse and worse. And this is one of the things that I, I, I've talked about on this program. Uh, I talk about my conference room with a lot of people. Americans now are no longer prepared for retirement. Now, it used to be that... Uh, People, uh, they worked, you know, I'm talking about like in the 1800 to the early 1900s. Uh, people worked until they died, basically, because they died at 65. And you had to work in, in one way or the other. Uh, but that all changed uh, when we saw the rapid industrialization uh, and the rising prosperity that we saw in America in the 1900s. Life expectancy shot upward. People lived longer. Uh, Companies now, you'd work for one company for your whole life. They'd provide you with a pension. And finally, you'd have years of your life at the end of your life that was yours, the golden years, so to speak. And for most people who lived in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, especially after Social Security was implemented in 1935, had a really good retirement. Typically, their house was paid off. Uh, they got Social Security income. They got a pension from their, their previous company. They had health care uh, through Medicare, and, and, and many times the company would pay uh, uh, health care as well. And, and their standard of living was pretty good in retirement. For some people, retirement was better than working as far as finances go. But then something changed. And what changed was two things. Well, actually, more than two things. I want to say three things. The first thing that changed was longevity. People started living longer. You know, back in 1935, when he started Social Security, he started getting it at 65 years old. The average male died at 67. So you only had two years of Social Security number. Now people are living into their 90s, even into their 100s which puts pressure on the Social Security system, puts pressure on the Medicare system, puts pressure on your own savings. You have to, Your money has to last maybe 20, 25 years after you retire. And that's causing major problems for mainly baby boomers now who are entering retirement. And this is a crisis, and it's going to have an effect on the, on the social safety net. Estimates are that... Um, Retirement saving shortfall is about $7 trillion for baby boomers, meaning they're going to be short that much money. And that assumes no future cuts in Social Security, which I don't think will happen. And what we're seeing now is we're seeing people work longer, which is fine. A third of people aged 65 to 69 are now employed. And they're working longer. Now, it's a lot easier for uh, a college professor to work to 70 than it is a truck driver 
or a construction worker or, or somebody who uses their body, obviously. So people are being forced to work longer. But since you live longer, let's face it, I'm 62. I don't feel like I'm ready to retire. Everything's still working mentally and physically. I don't have a physical job, but, you know, I, I don't feel like I need to retire now. And I think a lot of people feel that way. You know, the 60s are the, are the new 50s. So people are working long, and it's good. And ultimately, Social Security age has to go up. Medicare age has to go up, and it will. That's, all, that's the only solution, basically. Well, it's, there's a number of solutions, raising the amount taxed in Social Security and Medicare, raising the tax rates, uh, all those things that really are not palatable politically to people. But the big problem is the lack of savings. Because what happened was, from the 80s on, companies started getting smart. And they started saying, you know what? People are living longer. We're making these pension payments for 20 to 25 years. We're providing health care. It's affecting our company's balance sheet and our earnings and our stock price. And, you know, people are aging, so we have more and more people entering the retirement system. We got to get rid of this liability. So what they started to do is they started introducing not the defined benefit plan, which is what a typical pension is. You work for a company your whole life. Then they pay you a monthly pension for as long as you live. And you're happily ever after. Now they've changed it to defined contribution plans. Now they don't pay your pension. You're responsible for your pension. You're responsible to take some of your salary and put it in a retirement plan be it a 401k, a 403b, whatever it is. If you have a generous company, maybe they'll match it, but many companies don't, or at least match part of it. So it's all on you, where it was all on the company or the union or the government. And that's where defined benefit plans still live, is those who are fortunate enough to work for a union uh, or work for the state work for the uh, federal government. They get pensions. You know why? Because taxpayers pay it, not companies. Companies don't need profits, don't need earnings, don't need all that. Don't Governments don't worry about their stock price. They could tax people more and more and more. And I don't begrudge anybody who gets a pension, but I got to tell you, I see teachers, I see firefighters, I see police officers, with 70, 80, 90,000 dollar pensions that start at 55. Now we talk about longevity. They live to be 95. The state, the taxpayer is paying incredible amounts of money for health care and pensions and it's bankrupting the state. And uh, it's controversial to say that because people who get pensions, they send me emails, Lou, this is, this is something that we've earned. This is something that uh, uh, was negotiated. Well, you know, yeah, it's politically negotiated in states that get contributions from the unions and then the legislatures <laughs> give the unions what they want, right? That's the way it works, right? But why is it that if you work for a government, in essence, the taxpayer, you're entitled to a, a financial free retirement. But if you work as a doctor or if you work as a uh, uh, in anything other than union based or government based, 
Uh, it's up to you. And unfortunately for the people without a pension, they're paying for the pensions of their neighbor through their taxes. It's like a two-tier system, right? How many people? They get Medicare, but the 20%, you know, people who don't have uh, union contracts uh, or didn't work for the government, uh, now they have to buy supplemental health care insurance. Well, many people with pensions also have insurance. It's a great thing. And how many government workers retire at 55 when they get their 20 or 30 years in and uh, then get another job with the government and then wind up with two pensions? Again, I don't begrudge people who get that. They were, you know, that's the way it is. I'd, I'd feel the same way if I if I was able to do it. I'd be, I would take advantage of it. But what is the cost long term? I mean, long term, the system isn't viable. Long term, the thing falls apart and nobody gets anything at the end of the day. But uh, hopefully that's somewhat down the line. So anyway, the average person now who doesn't work for a union, doesn't work for the government, it's all on them. And they haven't saved enough. So what does that mean? It means that people are going to need more public assistance in retirement. And as I said before, um, it's $7 trillion. People don't have enough savings. It's going to cost, in New Jersey alone, $7 billion. By 2030, it's going to cost $7 billion in public assistance annually in the state of New Jersey. That's almost a fifth of our current state budget. And New Jersey doesn't really have a large, large uh, senior population, can, you know, compared to other parts of the country like Florida and Arizona and so forth. So the situation in other states could even be worse. So uh, we need to get people to save more. Now, another problem is that Americans have changed their financial behavior over the decades. Those now who are in their 70s and 80s, and the older they get, the more this is true, uh, have lived differently. They didn't live in a debt-based world. They didn't finance everything. They didn't remortgage their house every time it went up a little bit. They didn't use credit cards to the extent that people do today. College was more affordable, so they weren't remortgaging their homes. And when they retired, A, again, they had a pension. B, their house was paid off. C, they got Social Security. And they were in pretty pretty good shape. Now I'm seeing people at retirement age who have two car payments, a mortgage, very little in savings in their 401k. And what is their future? Dire. And my big fear is that the biggest segment of the population in poverty is going to be those 65 and older. Those who are least able to to work their way through it. Younger people who are struggling financially could always get two or three jobs and do what they have to do. But can a 75-year-old do that? No. And again, the big difference really is that the fine benefit plan, where there was a liability to employees, there's no loyalty to workers now. 
I know people coming to me now that are being forced out of their jobs with major corporations. They've worked there 35, 45 years, three, four years away from retirement, getting the pink slip. And unfortunately, as we go into, as this economy continues to uh, degrade and implode, as we'll talk about later, which it really is, more and more people are going to be let go. And who are they going to let go? The highest paid employees, the ones with the biggest benefits. And they're not ready to retire. Here's some numbers. Uh, these are pretty staggering. Um, between 30 and 40% have saved nothing for retirement. Nothing. Women are 27% more likely to have zero saved at retirement than men. And there's a lot of single women out there, right? You know, divorce over the years uh, has skyrocketed, right? The number of marriages that end in divorce. Well, women are alone. Many of these women stayed home and were, were bringing up their children, especially older women now in their 60s and 70s. They don't have the credits to get Social Security in any measure. And we're talking about poverty in uh, with the elderly population. It's mainly going to be women in poverty. 40% of baby boomers won't be able to afford their basic living expenses in retirement. It's half. The typical account uh, amount for a worker nearing retirement is only 42000 How do you retire with $42,000 and expect to make it 25 years? Especially when inflation is running the way it is. And Social Security doesn't keep pace with it, as we know. And as I mentioned earlier, there's a $7 trillion gap between uh, what baby boomers have saved and what they're going to need. So how much money do you really need to to have a comfortable retirement? Uh, It varies depending on the study. Uh, The average study, and I think this is too low, say you need in the neighborhood of $650,000 in your retirement plan to retire uh, to fund your retirement 100%. But the average 65-year-old, now this is the average one, most have less, has six, uh, 263000 stashed away. Now, you may say, well, I can get by with that amount. I can make it last. Well, the medical cost for a couple in retirement out of pocket is estimated to be 220000 And they have 263000 saved. That doesn't count anything else. It's almost all gone for medical costs. So it's, uh, it's horrible. I mean, every generation now, it's getting worse in retirement. And if you think it's bad for the baby boomers entering retirement now, forget their children. Most millennials, you know, in the 20s and 30s, don't believe Social Security is going to be around when they near retirement. I mean, nothing may be around when they near retirement, including their country, uh, let alone Social Security system. Uh, so it's a dire situation. And I tell people, and I, I really discourage people that, that don't have a college savings plan, because this has a lot to do with it. 
not to fund your children's college. This is controversial. I, almost everything I say in this show is controversial. But uh, why is it a parent's obligation to pay for their child's college education? Well, a lot of people feel that it is their obligation. Why? My parents didn't pay for my college education. I did. They couldn't afford to. Maybe that's why I have this attitude is I did it myself. Why shouldn't everybody else? And, you know, it's a lot easier when mom and dad are paying for your college education uh, for you to just go and have a great time. To take uh, social, uh, socially appropriate courses that give you no job at the end of it. And now mom and dad uh, have remortgaged their house. And I always tell people when parents come to me and say, you know, I want to remortgage my house. Uh, I have, you know, to pay for my kid's college. Uh, I haven't saved enough. I said, don't do it. I said, because this is not a college problem. This is a retirement problem. And sure enough, it is. And I've been saying this for years. But parents feel the need to have to fund their kid's child. Now, look, if you're smart and you put money away when the child was young and you had 529 plans and everything, great. But if you're going to mortgage the future, if you're going to mortgage your retirement, then that's not the way to go. And now we have a situation where uh, people are retiring into a declining financial markets. Retiring into the worst inflation in 40 years. And uh, retiring in a uh, declining economy. So not only, you know, do people have very little saved and invested for retirement, the ones that do have just lost 20 to 30 percent of it. Not to mention rising interest rates. I mean, we've had a period of very low interest rates, which is positive and negative. Those who have savings, rising interest rates are good. But too many people are retiring with debt, which means rising interest rates are bad. So what is a, a person in retirement, pre-retirement age to do right now? Well, do everything you can to pay down your debt, number one. Look at your spending history and, 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 and find out where you could start cutting spent expenditures. Do you go on expensive vacations every year? Do you eat out three times a week? Do you have expensive car payments? Maybe I should sell that car and buy a used car. Should I downsize my house? Should I sell this big house? The kids are gone now. They're never home. I got you know $12,000 in real estate taxes. I got a big mortgage. Should I sell that house and downsize to a condo or a senior community? Um, unfortunately, many people can't aren't doing that. As a matter of fact, more and more pre-retirees uh, are going deeper into debt prior to retirement. A lot of that has to do with the inflation. You know, credit card use is skyrocketing to record highs. Interest rates on those credit cards are going up as interest rates go up. It's just a terrible situation. And most people have had very, very bad financial advice, had way too much risk in their retirement plans, 
and just prior to retirement or in retirement. I recently saw a new client that came to me with a portfolio, uh, was 600000 at the beginning of the year, is now uh, 400000 and a little over 400000 You can't lose a third of your retirement when you're 70 years old. That person should never have been exposed to that risk. This past week, uh, I had a speaking engagement uh, with the investment club of uh, Leisure Village West in Manchester. Uh, it was the first speaking engagement I've done since COVID, so it was really good to be out there again, you know, speaking to listeners of the program. And uh, and we had a very interesting one and a half hour talk uh, uh, and listening to what they had to say. Uh, we had a lot of questions and answers. Uh, but one of the things I told them is that their generation, their kids' generation mainly, unless they inherit your money, is going to be impoverished, number one. And number two, I said to them, how many people have lost at least 10% in their investment portfolio? And 80% of the room's hand went up. And I said, how much lost over 20%? And a quarter of that amount went up. I said, if you're, you lost more than 10% of your investments, it's time to fire your financial advisor. Because there's no way you should be exposed to that kind of risk. And for years, I've been telling people, they come out, look at their portfolio, there's 70% in the stock market, it's 70 years old. Are you crazy? You shouldn't have any more than 30% in the stock market. And it's amazing how many people are so oblivious to the risk they have in their financial situation. And these are people that may live to be 90. You know, the people, uh, America's population of people over 90 tripled between 1980 and 2015. So we have 2 million people, and that's expected to increase over the next decade or two. So uh, if you're expecting, if you're 30 years old and you're expecting an inheritance from your parents, there ain't going to be one because they're going to spend it all because they're going to have to. That's assuming they have assets. If they don't have assets, they're in trouble. Now... Here's an article. Here's a headline. Seniors feel cheated as inflation dims their golden years. For close to 47 million Americans, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Indeed, the current cost of living crisis devastating millions of seniors nationwide has forced many to look back at the choices they made during their prime working years. Did they save and invest enough? Did they clock in enough hours during their career? Could they have put money aside for a rainy day? And now many of them are retired and inflation's killing them because A, they don't have a pension. B, they haven't saved enough money. Um, and the overwhelming concern of, of, of people who retired now or entering retirement is they're going to run out of money. And they are, many of them. And when you're younger, you're working, you recover. But retirees never have that option. Um, and for many retirees that are, depend on a fixed income uh, from Social Security and if they have a small pension, um, their savings, their emergency fund um, is being eaten up through inflation, and now we're seeing more and more seniors using credit, credit cards and the like. Uh, here's a quote from a retiree in this article. It says, Quote, like most American retirees, I am frightened. 
noting that many seniors have no experience dealing with inflation and recession during retirement. And women are especially worried. They have greater challenges because of lower wages, lack of available retirement plans, and the breakdown of the family. That's the sad thing. And I I find nothing more stressful and, and, and depressing to me as a financial planner to see uh an entire swath of, of the American population, the, 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 the elderly, the retired, looking at such a bleak financial future. I guess uh, part of it's our fault because the way we lived, we had to have new cars. You know, everybody asked me, you know, Lou, what's the secret to financial success? Uh, why do people have little or no net worth? Cars and houses. Those choices alone make all the difference and financing an outrageously expensive college education for your children. Those are the three things. Couple that with uh, the lack of pension plans now, and that's the prescription for destitution in retirement. And what's the answer to the problem? A change in lifestyle for younger Americans. You can't buy a new car every three or four years. You don't need to buy that big home. Buy a more modest home. Don't refinance it. Don't pay for your kid's college education, especially if they're not going for a a profession that'll get that money back. If not for you, at least for them. If they're successful, they can take care of you in your retirement. But are you going to spend... Uh, 200000 for your child to go to Brown University uh, to get a degree in gender studies. If your child wants to be a doctor, a lawyer, an engineer, great. They need college for that. But you don't need to ruin your retirement so your child can go to college to be indoctrinated in, in woke idealism. But is that going to change? I don't know. But it's a dire situation for retirees. Uh, uh, Now people who are already retired are dealing with inflation. They're dealing with uh, eating up their savings if they have any. Uh, They're going deeper into debt. And those who are approaching retirement are woefully prepared to do so with a lack of savings and uh, mortgage debt, credit card debt, car payments, uh, and uh, uh, just a lack of planning. All right, let's take a break. 732-237-9626 is the call number. My name's Lou Skatigny. You're listening to The Financial Physician. Don't go away. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to JerseyShoreSeptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most 
affordable rates. Although customers were already going online more and more over the past five years, the amount of people doing business online has skyrocketed since the pandemic hit. Visit mylocalcustomers.com. Hi, Sean Michaels to tell you if you're a business owner here at the Jersey Shore, Town Square can help you find local customers online. Town Square can help you grow your business faster. Premium website services, new leads every day, no contracts, subscriptions you can cancel anytime. Visit mylocalcustomers.com. That's mylocalcustomers.com for details. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I'm Lou Skatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial estate plan that will improve your financial health and, most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday morning, 7 to 9, for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin & Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, registered investment advisory service to afford Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, welcome back to the financial physician. Luz Katigna here, certified financial planner, tax accountant, and your money doctor. Every Sunday live right here on 92.7, 7 to 9 a.m. Sunday mornings. And those of you who are up early... Uh, those of you who are uh, listening live, driving down the parkway, thanks so much for joining us. I really do appreciate those who do listen live to the program. But if you can't, uh, you're just waking up, you just stumbled upon our program, or you go to church uh, early Sunday mornings, no problems. Just go to thefinancialphysician.com where we have the podcast, the very popular podcast of this program. So you don't have to get up early to listen to the program. We do appreciate that. We love it. We love our live listeners, of course, uh, who actually dwarf our podcast downloads. But if you uh, uh, need to uh, sleep in or you're doing something and or you don't want to listen to a two-hour program, you want to listen to it in smaller snippets, just go to thefinancialphysician.com uh, where we have the podcast. Just click on the radio tab and uh, just go to the most recent uh, program and it'll link you over uh, to Podomatic. Now, if you have a Apple podcast or a Google podcast, you can go right there and just look me up and you'll get um, our podcast uh, also. But it's always easier just to go to the com uh, and, uh, and link it there. 
if you like, you know, you're up early and you're around the country but and you're not in our listening area but you want to listen live, no problem. You can listen to the live stream of the program uh, at thefinancialphysician.com. I have the live stream link there. Love your emails, Lou, at thefinancialphysician.com. You have a personal finance question I could help you with or uh, you have a subject that you'd like me to cover or just a comment on the program, uh, love your emails. And I do answer each and every one if I don't. Just send it again. I just missed it. Uh, um, that's Lou at the financial uh, physician, uh, dot com. So it's Thanksgiving. My favorite holiday of the year. It really is. I love Thanksgiving. Uh, don't have to buy anybody presents. Don't have to do shopping. Just have to go grocery shopping. But grocery shopping now is going to cost you a lot more than it did last year for Thanksgiving. Uh, costs are up 20% this year. 20% one year for the cost of a typical turkey dinner for 10 people. Uh, uh, it's up an extra $10.74 to $65.04 on average. Now, I don't know who feeds 10 people for $64. Not on my Thanksgiving. It wasn't that way. I don't know. Uh, what are you just eating? Turkey and a couple of potatoes? Maybe a piece of bread? I don't know where you get that uh, for 10 people. Uh, you could times that by about uh, three or four when I was feeding my family. Uh, uh, I had a large family. Uh, but um, that's what they say it is. But it is up uh, 20% over last. And a good portion of that, obviously, is turkey prices, uh, which is uh, skyrocketing due to uh, bird flu. You don't hear a lot about that on the news, but this bird flu that's going through the world right now is just decimating uh, chickens and turkeys worldwide. About 50-plus million here in the United States uh, and 50-plus uh, million in Europe. Uh, it's affecting the price of eggs, as everybody sees, uh, the price of eggs if you can get them. I mean, there's times you go into a store and uh, the egg uh, supply is not very good. And if you can get it, it's like 4 to $5 for a dozen eggs. Um but, you know, the cost of turkey, the cost of chicken, all going up, the cost of produce. It's just this is an inflation uh, unhinged. And uh, there's one thing on the list that went down. Fresh cranberries. I don't know why. You know, New Jersey is one of the biggest cranberry producers in the world, in the, the country. I didn't know that. Uh, it's not the biggest. I think California is or somewhere else. But I think we're number two. Uh, this week we heard about, uh, new home sales and existing home sales and, um, new construction. Let me tell you something. The housing market is declining like crazy. The housing market is imploding. Now, not necessarily housing prices quite yet. That is usually a lag, but what we're seeing right now is we're starting to see new home, uh, uh permits. Plunging. First-time mortgage applications, plunging. Uh, new home builders, companies that build new developments, uh, their optimism is terrible. Uh, and all this has an effect on the economy. You know, housing is 20% of the overall economy. And consumer spending is 70% of the economy. You add those two together and you're looking at 90%. Well, it's not quite because there's some overlap there. If you go and buy furnishings for your house, that's consumer spending, and it's also a result of housing. But uh, the bottom line here is uh, we are seeing uh, a significant, significant decline in 
the construction market, the housing market in general. And Redfin uh, Corp., a big real estate brokerage firm, uh, uh, found that in October, the average buyer needed to earn 107281 to afford the monthly mortgage payment of a median-priced home, up a whopping 40%, 46% from a year ago of 73668 So the middle class is being priced out of the housing market. The first-time home buyer can't afford a home. I mean, you still have uh, prices that are sky high compared to where they were just five years ago. And at the same time, you have mortgage rates close to 7%. Now, we've seen mortgage rates come down last week. Uh, One of the biggest drops in mortgage rates we've seen in decades uh, because um, the U.S. Treasury bond yield had come down. Uh, Mortgage rates now are at, uh, last I saw, was uh, uh, 6.84%. But I was reporting last week that it was 7.24%. So we had almost a, a 40 basis points or four-tenths of 1% decline in mortgage rates last week. Very welcome, but is it sustainable? No, I don't think so. I think it's going right back up. Because I think, you know, the bond market went up and yields went down last week because of optimism that the Fed may be ready to pivot and slow their interest rate hikes because the consumer price index was two-tenths of a point less than expected. Uh, And also the the consumer price index, the producer price index was announced this week a little better than expected. Uh, So investors said, oh, this must be good. Maybe, Maybe inflation has peaked. And maybe the Federal Reserve now will start either slowing their interest rate increases, stopping them altogether, or ultimately lowering interest rates. Now, the Fed came out this past week and, and poo-pooed all that, saying, no, no, we're going to continue to raise rates. And I believe they are until something breaks, until the market crashes, we have a bank problem or, or whatever. Uh, they're hell-bent on considering to raise rates, and that's going to have more effect on housing and on the consumer. Now, we've had 19 straight months of negative real wage growth. What does that mean? What's real wages? Well, people's salaries go up, but it doesn't go up as much as inflation does. So if last year your salary went up 5%, but inflation is 8%, you actually lost 3% in real wages. We've seen 19 consecutive months of negative real wage growth. Basically, the entire time that uh, President Biden has been in office. And that's affecting, obviously, home buyers. You know, they're too worried about putting food on a table and gas in their cars, let alone buying a home. And Redfin is saying that affordability challenges are a major reason why home sales have slowed so dramatically over the last few months. And um, the National Association of Realtors said the home buying environment has been described as the worst in decades. And none of this should surprise listeners to this program. I've been saying since March that this soaring interest rates that the Fed is hellbound on doing is going to destroy the housing market. And now more and more people are not going to own a home. They're going to be forced to rent or stay in their parents' basement. But you remember the World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, who who reiterated that this week at the G20. We'll talk about that later. You'll own nothing and still be happy. You won't own a home. You'll be making somebody else rich by paying their mortgage. 
Anyway, more of the same. Let's talk about financial markets this week. Kind of like a, a nothing week when you look at everything. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was flat. 0.00% or 0.01% up or something crazy like that. I rounded it off to zero. So the markets did not go down, did not go up for the week. Year to date, the Dow is still down 7.13%, which is the best of all averages. S&P 500 was down 7 tenths of 1% for the week, down more than double what the Dow is, down 16.8%. Now, why, why, the, why the divergence here? Well, the divergence is really simple. The Dow Jones Industrial Average has companies in it like ExxonMobil, Chevron, energy companies. Uh, and those stocks have done very well, obviously, as, as oil prices have gone higher. And that's buoyed the Dow Jones. Just realize that the Dow Jones only has 30 stocks in it, whereas the S&P 500 has how many, Paul? <laughs> A lot. How about 500? <laughs> I thought you'd get that one easy. Uh, the S&P 500 is the 500 biggest companies in all industries in the country. Uh, so it's a more broader reflection of the economy and how businesses are doing. Now, the NASDAQ, which is the worst index of the year, uh, was down 1.57% for the week, uh, still down a whopping 28 0.76% for the year. What is the NASDAQ? The NASDAQ has the smaller companies, mainly technology companies. That's where you see the Facebooks and the, uh, uh, the, the chip stocks and the computer stocks and social media and all that kind of stuff, which have been the darling of investors for the last five years. Those are, that was the index that went up the most over the last five years. So now it's turned and now it's going down the most on the way down, which is obvious, you know, what is expected. So the NASDAQ still down almost 29% for the year. Uh, it looks like this uh, bear market rally on optimism that the Fed may be done raising interest rates has kind of run its course. Uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see the market turn substantially down between now and the end of the year. We'll see. Uh, gold is uh, $1,751 an ounce, silver around 21 kind of a, a nothing week for gold and silver. Still up, uh, gold up $100 for the for the month, so uh, for a month, so doing pretty good still. Still undervalued. Uh, Bitcoin, 16000 and change. Uh, we're uh, hearing more and more about this FTX cryptocurrency exchange. Uh, failing, it turns out, this is much deeper now than we were talking about last week. Uh, I've been doing a lot of research on it, and, and uh, to be quite honest with you, I am not an expert at cryptocurrencies. I'm not even proficient in even understanding it very well, you know, so you have to understand that. Uh, but this has been a very complicated thing, and, and the layers of the onion are being peeled away, and we're seeing more and more scratch-your-head stuff here. This may be the biggest financial scandal in the history of financial scandals. Bigger than Enron, bigger than Madoff, uh, this is tens of billions of dollars. And this 30-year-old guy that was the darling of the Democratic Party, of the left-wing media, is there anything different? I don't know. Uh, uh, and as it turns out, this scam uh, uh, is now becoming a political issue. Apparently, the way this worked was that 
U.S. politicians, namely Democrats, approved funding, and the Republicans too, a lot of Republicans too, uh, for the Ukrainian war. You know, we've given Ukraine 25% more than the entire budget, the military budget of Russia in one year. We've given them since February. Think about that. And now Biden came out this week and is requesting another $37 billion. Where is this money going? We've given them over $100 billion, 20% more than the entire military budget of Russia. And Ukraine isn't even part of NATO. Where is there a treaty that we should be funding Ukraine to fight Russia? I didn't see a treaty. $100 billion, by the way, that we don't have, of course. But it turns out a lot of that money Zelensky took and invested in FTX. Then FTX took that money and gave it to Democrats, mainly, for the midterm elections. This is what you call classic money laundering, classic corruption, classic kickbacks. Now, this is just what we're seeing in political donations. How much of that money was kicked back to individuals along the way? How much did the big guy get? And by the way, we're going to be learning more and more about the big guy and his financial dealings and his son and everything else now that uh, the Republicans finally were declared the winners of, of, of the House, which a fiasco in itself um, that it's taken that long, and that it wasn't even shouldn't even been close, and it wasn't not for the fraud. So they were calling this guy uh, Sam Bankman Fried. They were calling him the next J.P. Morgan. Uh, they, they, he was the darling. He was on Fortune magazine. He was. Uh, he did. Uh, uh, can you know? Meetings with, uh, like, you know, conventions like with uh, Bill Clinton uh, and uh, what's his name? Um, who was the, the past prime minister of England? Tony Blair. Yeah. Uh, but this is as this more and more comes out on this. Uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, he's such a Democratic darling. How much investigation into him do you think there's going to be? Um, associates of, of, of FTX uh, donated 300000 to the House committee members that are about to investigate him. <laughs> Who's the head of the investigation right now? Maxine Waters. By the way, Mar- Maxine Waters is on television blowing a kiss to him when he was testifying in front of that committee. She blew a kiss to him afterwards. And he, from what we know... Gave $40 million to Democrats for the midterm elections, which was a kickback from Ukraine, which got the money from Congress of the United States. I mean, do you realize how corrupt everything is? Do you realize everything is corrupted? We live in a corrupt society. Everything. And how we allowed this to happen, I have no idea. Everything. Every aspect every institution has been corrupted 
And who's paying the price? The population, mainly of the United States and the West. The people are struggling to put food on the table and gas in their cars and their kids through college. And we talked about the retirement crisis that's coming. These are the people who are paying the price for this corruption. So where is the corruption? Well, certainly in government. That's nothing new. Uh, government's been corrupted since Roman times. That's nothing new. Between cronyism, kickbacks, uh, no-bid contracts, you know, we know how it goes. Lobbyists. How many people go to Congress with all these ideological, for the people, they go there and then with two years they're totally corrupted. It's all about power. It's all about getting reelected. It's all about money. So government is corrupted. Our electoral process is corrupted. If you don't believe that uh, now after the midterm elections, then you got a problem. And you know what? Everybody knows it. You know how many people have come up to me and said how corrupt, how fraudulent this election is without me even saying a thing? Everybody knows it. It's too obvious. And people know that in any midterm election, the president in power loses 20 to 30 House seats and usually five or six Senate seats. And that's when things are relatively good. Here we have a president with the lowest popularity in history. We have the worst inflation in 40 years. We have the economy plummeting. Our prestige around the world has been diminished with Afghanistan and everything else. We're on the verge of World War III with Russia. We have leadership in this country that is borderline, I shouldn't even say borderline, that is senile. At least when you look at the President of the United States and the Speaker of the House, thankfully Pelosi's stepping down. She ain't stupid. Get out of Dodge. Your, your time is over. A lot of the elderly leadership of the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are moving on. It's about time. We need some new blood in government, but they'll be corrupted too. Education is corrupted. Right now, the higher, not only the higher education, but lower education, we know that with gender things and CRT and everything else, totally corrupted. Kids now go to school at the retirement cost of their parents, as I mentioned earlier, um, to be corrupted, to be indoctrinated into Marxist, leftist, wokist ideology. Think about that. You send your kids to school. You pay all this money. You jeopardize your retirement to turn them into left-wing zombies that are hell-bent on destroying the country. I don't know if you saw this, Paul. A, a girl uh, was at her father's funeral, and he was a billionaire, and he was a Trump supporter. And she's, of course, a woke left-wing college graduate. She trashed her father at his funeral. You have to see this video. You got to see this video. How, you know, it's just outrageous. Outrageous. What she said about her father. Because he was a Trump supporter. I mean, it's disgusting what's happening. Kids are being taught to hate their parents if they don't agree with their ideology. Meanwhile, uh, she's getting all her father's money. She goes, I'll take the money. But that doesn't mean I have to like my father.
disgusting. Education is corrupted. The media is totally corrupted. We could spend a whole show on that. We know that. The media no longer is journalists. They're just propaganda arm of the left and the Democratic Party. And, you know, Trump coined the term fake news. Boy, was he right. When he first said that, I thought I was a little over the top. No, no, it was not. It's totally true. So you can't trust the media. You can't trust the education of your children that you pay good money for either through taxes or through refinancing your home or taking out loans to to finance your kid's school. Entertainment is corrupted. From Disney on down. Oh, by the way, Disney's in big trouble. (laughs) Disney lost over, what, $2 billion last quarter. Uh, Now they're looking to start laying people off. Get woke, go broke. People don't want their kids to be taught sexual stuff on Disney shows. LGBTQ and all that crap. We'll save political correctness for the second hour. But people have had it with this. They see that everything's corrupted. They see that their country is on the downswing in so many ways, politically, socially, culturally, financially. Uh, And everybody wants to be taken care of now. They believe the government should pay for everything for them. Of course, they want their student loans forgiven. Oh, by the way, uh, last week, you know, a federal judge in Texas uh, ruled that uh, Biden's plan to cancel hundreds of billions of dollars in student loan debt was unlawful and must be vacated. Um, District Judge Mark Pittman, an appointee of former Donald Trump in Fort Worth, ruled in a lawsuit backed by the Job Creators Network Foundation on behalf of two borrowers. Uh Do you notice now that every time they talk about the judge, they have to name who appointed him. Obama appointed judge. Right? A Trump appointed judge. Why should that matter? A judge should be a judge, should be a judge. It should be what is the law state, not what your political leanings are. That bothers the hell out of me. Whether it's a Trump appointed judge or who cares? It should that should never be mentioned. And I don't recall that being mentioned in the. 10, 20 years ago as much as it is now. It's all about packing the courts. The law doesn't mean anything. The constitutionality of anything doesn't mean anything. Uh, And the judge went on to say uh, that the program is unconstitutional exercise of Congress's legislative power and must be vacated. The president has no right to spend $400 million. Oh, I'm sorry, $400 billion of taxpayer money. It's the Congress that allocates money. Now, of course, the Democrats and Biden administration have gone to the Supreme Court asking them to vacate the previous ruling and allow Biden to go forward with this unconstitutional forgiveness of debt. Unbelievable. Everything is corrupted. The media... Your government on all levels, the entertainment industry, um, education system, and I'm probably missing a few things as well. Everything is corrupted. 
And uh, unfortunately, I don't see what rectification we have for it, including our electoral system, which has been corrupted beyond repair. Uh, at least that's what it looks like right now. All right, top of the hour, 732-237-9626. If you want to be part of our program, my name is Luska Tignit. Don't go away. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions, because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. All right, time for hour two of the financial physician. Thanks so much for joining us for our show where we talk money, markets, politics. My name's Lou Scatigna, certified financial planner, tax accountant, and all around good guy. Thanks so much for joining us for today's program. If you missed the first hour, uh, what a shame. We had a good first hour, but it's not a problem because you could listen to it at thefinancialphysician.com. We're a podcast. Paul, we had a record number of downloads of the podcast last week. You know, every week it seems we have more and more people downloading the show. And I really do appreciate that. Uh, thank you for those who share it on social media uh, or um Put it, uh, email it, the link to your friends, or put it on websites that you think uh, uh, some people put it on conservative websites. Uh, and uh, we're really growing our podcast, and, and I really do appreciate that. The number one podcast, the number one financial podcast uh, on Podomatic. So thank you so much for that. But we do love uh, those who listen live and those who get up early. But if you miss any of the program, just go to thefinancialphysician.com, go to our radio tab, and um, and you can listen to the program. Love your emails. Uh, Lou at the financial physician.com. You have a personal finance question, something I could help you with or something you want covered on the program. I get so many topics from you guys. Uh, some of you, and, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at my research, but a, a lot of use bird dogs, things for me that, uh, that I haven't seen. So I do appreciate you guys sending me links. Uh, and so forth. So the midterm elections, although not officially over yet, we still got outstanding um, races still to be uh, either stolen or uh, validated uh, for the Republicans. But the Republicans have won the House, and, and that's so powerful. Uh, the Democrats did everything they can they could to steal the House of Representatives. Uh, uh, one election in... Um, New Hampshire, I don't know if you heard about this one, Paul. Uh, after, uh, I mean, exhaustive uh, counting. Now, you got to understand, New Hampshire is not a big place, and it doesn't have a whole lot of population. So in one of the districts there, the Republican, after a week's worth of counting, was up 27 votes. But they ran the machines one more time, and the Democrat won by one vote. And the Associated Press called it for the Democrats. Do you see how this works, people? One vote. 
They just get far enough, just enough. Republicans are leading in all these races on election night. Normally, they would be called for the Republican, but no, stop the presses, stop counting. Uh, let's see. We're down 15,000 votes. We're down 20,000 votes. We're down 30,000 votes. Okay, let's start, let's start trucking them in. Oh, these just came in in the mail. Oh, this bag was uh, found in the back of a truck. Uh, the fraud and corruption in our electoral process is off the charts now. Uh, and all you have to do is look at at, at at CNN's exit polls, you know, which actually asked people are leaving polls. You know, uh, women went towards the Republican Party, blacks, Hispanics, uh, Democrats who usually vote Democrat would vote Republicans. And they eked out the House and they lost the Senate. Um, you know, people say, oh, Luke, there's no proof of any, uh, no proof. If you go outside and you look up and the sun is out and the sky is blue and someone tells you it's cloudy, do you need any proof? I mean, it's common sense. If something historically has always happened a certain way and now it's even worse for the party of power, how can it not be even worse how the, the, the turnout of the election is? Anyway, we can go on and on in this. But, you know, uh, voter corruption has been institutionalized by the Democrats. They're excellent at it. They know exactly how to pull it off. They have a compliant media that as soon as the Democrat goes ahead, AP and NBC will go out and say, well, they called it. Now, let me tell you, who gave the media in this country the power to call an election? What gives the right of the Associated Press to tell you who won? Shouldn't the, the election boards tell you that? Oh, no, 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 no. The Republican never wins when they're ahead. But as soon as the Democrat goes ahead, they call it. It's unbelievable. Again, corruption. Everything is corrupted. So uh, the midterms, for all intents and purposes, are over. We still have the Herschel Walker uh, vote in Georgia, but does it matter now? No. If he wins, it's 50-50, right? And Kamala Harris is the uh, deciding vote. Therefore, Chuck Schumer remains uh, uh, the majority leader. Is there anybody more despicable than that man? I mean... You know, you could say that about a lot of Democrats. I always say that. Pelosi, is there any more despicable than her? Uh, is there anybody more despicable than Maxine Waters? And I'll throw some Republicans in there, too. Is there anybody more despicable than Mitch McConnell? Who, by the way, is now going to be the... Uh, stay as the, the minority leader for the Republicans. This guy, you want to talk Rhino? I think I mentioned this last week. I don't know if I did or not. Do you realize he's in bed with China? His wife is Elaine Chow. Elaine Chow uh, was a transportation secretary under Obama. But our family, I mean, look at the last name, Chow. Uh, she's Chinese. Her family uh, and her herself are involved in really significant shipping businesses in China. The McConnells have gotten rich over their relationship with China. But that's okay. Not worth talking about. Nobody talks about that in the press. Most people hearing that now probably doesn't know that, right? 
Do you know that? Did, did, Paul, did you know that? No, no I didn't know no, that. No, okay. You're not supposed to know that. We're not supposed to know certain things. That's why the media doesn't do its job, and that's why it's corrupted, because omission of information is just like lying about it. Right? You can't know that. Just like you can't know what's on Hunter Biden's laptop. Well, we're going to know about it now. Um, anyway, I'll put him in there as a despicable politician. I'll put Mitt Romney there. Uh, I'll put uh, uh, Liz Cheney. What a despicable woman that is. Uh, so uh, there's despicable politicians on both sides who don't have the country's best interest on heart. Anyway, I got off track. But anyway, uh, the midterms are, for all intents and purposes, over. Uh, the Republicans now have control of the House. It looks like Kevin McCarthy, another despicable rhino, in my opinion, will be the House leader. We'll see what he does uh, with the power. Republicans never seem to use the power that they have in Congress when they have it, like the Democrats do. Are they going to try to impeach Biden for his financial dealings with China and Ukraine and everything else? No, no, no. There's real crimes there. Uh, as a matter of fact, the House put out like a, a huge report about Hunter Biden and Joe Biden and their financial dealings with foreign countries. Uh, of course, this White House says, ah, these are just debunked conspiracy theories. And of course, the media comes out and says the same thing. But anyway, it was so important for the Republicans to win the House because now they have subpoena power. They control the committees. Uh, and, and even with one vote, it makes a big difference. And now we're going to start seeing Anthony Fauci in front of committees. Uh, uh, we're going to start seeing more of the, the uh, DOJ and everything else. Now, there was a lot of uh, conjecture. Uh, will Donald Trump run again in 2024? Well, he came out this week and he said this. In order to make America great and glorious again, I am tonight announcing my candidacy for president of the United States. All right. So he came out a week after uh, the midterms. Uh, obviously, he was chomping at the bit to get that out prior to. Um, uh, but he had to wait till the midterms were over. And now he's announcing right after the midterms. Now, of course, the toxic media um, came out uh, and disparaged him from the beginning. You know, you listen to the way they uh, they cloach things uh, in the words that they use in their headlines, right? Uh, now, you got to realize that the fake news, the uh, Democratic propaganda arm, they call it the legacy media, whatever you want to call it. They ran conspiracy after conspiracy against this man. When he ran the first time and when he was in office, they didn't care if it was true or not. They knew it wasn't. So now the New York Times, this is, was their breaking news. Donald Trump announced a 2024 run for president, ignoring GOP warnings that his influence is harming the party. So now, like right after the election, they tried to make Trump toxic. The reason why the Republicans didn't win the Senate wasn't the massive voter fraud perpetrated by the Democrats. No, no, no. It was Donald Trump endorsing people like Dr. Oz. It wasn't the massive fraud in Pennsylvania and in Philadelphia. No, 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 no. Donald Trump's brand has been damaged. 
Uh, how about the taxpayer-funded leftist at National Public Radio? By the way, you know, we fund them, just like we fund PBS. With your tax dollars, they are blatantly Democratic and left-leaning. They should be disbanded. Why are we funding them? Anyway, this is their headline. Donald Trump, who tried to overthrow the results of the 2020 presidential election and inspired a deadly riot at the Capitol in a desperate attempt to keep himself in power, has filed to run for president again in 2024. Tried to overthrow the results. The Democrats overthrew the results. It was a landslide. Oh, God. Projection. He was desperate. He inspired the deadly riot. No, he didn't. He told people to peacefully protest. Anyway. The Washington Post was similarly outraged. The twice impeached former President Donald Trump, 76, who refused to concede the 2020 election and is subject of multiple criminal investigations, is running again in 2024, increasing the likelihood of a potential rematch with President Biden. Uh, Impeached by the Democrats for nothing, which he won both of them, twice impeached. Subject to multiple criminal investigations by the corrupted DOJ. Um, ABC News. <laughs> they pretended that there was a stampede out the door after before he was done announcing. <clears throat> a crowd was formed by the exit of the ballroom as some tried to leave Trump's announcement speech before he was finished. But security won't let them. Just like they won't show the tens of thousands of people at his rallies. They just don't turn the camera around. It's unbelievable. As I said, the U.S. media is corrupt. They're dishonest. They collude with each other and the Democratic Party. And it's getting much worse. Look, have you ever seen a person treated so unfairly by the media? Any politician in history. And the guy's done nothing. And look, the guy's bombastic. He says stupid things sometimes, and he chooses fights he shouldn't choose, and he calls people names. All right. But the guy has been investigated more than anybody. Uh, and he's innocent of everything, whether it's Russian collusion. Everything's been made up against him. Meanwhile, the Democrats, uh, Clintons, uh, everybody, Bidens, do felonies. And they're fine. It's unbelievable. So, uh... Three days go by, and what happens? Well, the corrupt Justice Department names a special prosecutors to, uh, to investigate Trump. Three days after he announced for president. It never ends. It never ends with these people. From the day he announced to today, they're going after him. During Trump's speech, before he announced, he said, Stand up, Eric Trump. He goes, nobody in history has had more subpoenas than this poor guy, his son. Attack, attack, attack. And and, and who did the, the corrupt Department of Justice pick to investigate Trump? Well, Andrew Weissman's like right-hand man who worked with Lois Lerner to target conservatives. Same old story. So now they're going to do it all over again. The special prosecutor investigated him as he's running for president. Think about this. The Biden administration, Joe Biden had his top lawyer, his top government law enforcement official, initiate a uh, special prosecutor against his main political opponent. Welcome to China. Welcome to the USSR. I play this again. 
That's it. Back in the USSR, back in China, back in Venezuela. This is what happens to political opponents now in the United States. Now they're going to investigate him for the documents he took. Uh, meanwhile, Obama's got 30,000-something documents. Hillary had 30,000 emails she erased after being subpoenaed. No, nothing happens to Democrats. Kind of amazing. So, of course, um, uh, uh, Biden's uh, press spokesman, uh, babe, uh, Pierre, Corrine Jean Pierre. I still can't get her name right. Uh, she was asked whether or not this is a politicization of the Justice Department. Of course it's not, she said. Look, I will say this, and I've said this many times before, we do not politicize the Department of Justice. That is something that the president said uh, during the campaign. That is something that the president said in his early days of of, of being uh, in the White House, and that continues to be true. Okay, I believe that. That's the ticket. Of course. No, we don't politicize the Justice Department. We only go after Trump and conservatives and Republicans and no Democrats, regardless of the crimes committed. Uh, But no, we don't politicize anything in our government. Announced last night that uh, Trump is reinstated on Twitter. Did you hear this? Uh, uh, Elon Musk. I'm liking this guy more every day, actually. Uh, Half of Twitter's employees quit because now they have to come to work. And they're not going to get free lunches. They have to work like the rest of us slobs in America to earn a paycheck. Uh, So they they, they all just quit. Um, But uh, Elon Musk um, announced that he was going to do a poll on Twitter. Should Trump be reinstated? Now, 52% came in for reinstatement, 48% against. Now, the 48% against was crazy left-wing people who were begging people on Twitter to vote against them, as well as God knows how many bots, right? We still don't know how many bots are on Twitter. So uh, Trump is up and running again. Now, he hasn't posted anything yet. But, uh, you know, if, if the Ayatollah Khomeini and the president of China could be on Twitter, I think past president of the United States probably should be there, too. I don't know. Call me, call me crazy. Uh, more corruption. Um, this guy, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security, the Secretary of Homeland Insecurity, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, said that the border is secure. He was in front of Congress, and he better get used to this because I got a feeling this guy's going to be impeached. So he was in front of a Congress in a congressional hearing, uh, and this is what he said. Do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? Yes, and we are working day in and day out to enhance its security, Congressman. Oh, yeah, okay. Uh, Yeah, they're, they're working day in and day out to enhance the security, and the border is secured. That's all he ever says. Oh, yeah, it's secured. Meanwhile, you see those infrared things overnight of just people upon people just walking in. What an evil guy. What an evil guy. And, of course, uh, Obama-appointed judge uh, stated that, uh, what is it, Title 42 that was sending people back that were walking in because of the COVID thing. Uh, is no longer valid, uh, meaning that uh, we're going to have a great, greater migrant surge now that people aren't going to be sent back. 
millions upon millions of people walking into our country. We were talking about the Ukrainian uh, war before. Um, we get a lot, a lot of downloads of the radio show from people in Ukraine now. Um, I don't know why they would, because I'm not really pro-Ukrainian war, um, as you heard me earlier in the program. What are we doing sending hundreds of billions of dollars to a country that's not a an ally of us? That is not a part of NATO. Why are we bringing the world to the brink of nuclear war? I don't know. But this week, we came very close to World War III as uh, apparently a uh, uh, Ukrainian-launched anti-missile missile landed in Poland and killed two people on a farm. Zelensky ran out and said this was an attack against NATO and we should all get involved in their defense. Uh, uh, we almost started World War III, and the media, of course, all ran with it before it was even announced. Thankfully, cooler heads prevailed and, and said, no, 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 this wasn't Russia doing this. Uh, this was um, this was Ukraine. Um, and this is typical of what's called the false flag. Right? False flags happen all the time to get people in war. If people remember the Vietnam War, I think it was called the the Timken uh, uh, sinking of one of our ships. As it turns out, it wasn't sunk by Vietnam. It was sunk by us. Or somebody involved in the West to start uh, the Vietnam War. Uh, and uh, false flags happen all the time. But why is the West so uh, insistent on having war with Russia? I don't know. It's part of the plan to kill us and depopulate the world, I think. I don't know. So the Associated Press has issued an official correction for its uh, reporting Tuesday that could have easily set off World War III. The Associated Press reported erroneously. This is this was their quote. The Associated Press reported erroneously based on information from a senior American intelligence official who spoke on condition of anonymity. Now, this is where they do it, all right? They always quote, an official in government that needed to be re- remain anonymous. Now, whether or not they ever talked to an official of the government is another story. How would we know? And just understand, if somebody leaks something anonymously, there's no consequence to them, even if it's a lie. So anyway, the, the Associated Press reported erroneously, based on information from a senior American intelligence official who spoke on the condition of anonymity, and we know the rest, which is... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Uh, Subsequent reporting showed that the missiles were Russian-made and most likely fired by Ukraine in defense against a Russian attack. Now, the next time this happens, uh, is it going to be too late for a correction from the Associated Press? Why are they running out there trying to fuel this NATO-has-been-attacked thing without even knowing? And shortly thereafter, uh, the administration revealed another $37 billion in emergency aid for Ukraine. So think about how much money we've given Ukraine so far. All right, we gave them thirteen point six billion. What we know about. All right, let's let's leave it at that. I mean, what we know about. Thirteen point six billion in March. In May, we gave him forty billion more. Now he wants thirty seven point seven billion. All right, that's ninety one point three billion dollars, and it's I was wrong. It's thirty three percent more. 
than Russia's total military spending for the year. And it's double the amount of money we were spending every year in Afghanistan. Why would we do this? Why would we spend so much money, again, that we don't have, in an inflationary environment that we're living in right here now, to bolster Ukraine? I don't know. Somebody give me the answer to that question. I don't know. Now, uh, the Russians proposed yesterday, I believe, a temporary ceasefire. And Zelensky rejected it. They don't want peace. Don't you understand? They want war. Whoever they are. Now, is this in the best interest of the Ukrainian people not to have a ceasefire? These poor people are getting bombed to smithereens. Their entire utility infrastructure has been degraded almost 50%. They have no heat. They have no water. They have no electricity. Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, have been killed or maimed. And Zelensky doesn't want to talk about any ceasefire or any peace. Tell me why. Now, it looks like the United States now has had enough of this and realizes whatever our goal was, uh, it's not really working out. And uh, maybe it's time to uh, go to uh, discuss peace and negotiate this out, which would be best for the world, best for the supply chain, best for the famine that's coming next year as people in Africa are going to starve to death because they can't get wheat or fertilizer from Ukraine and Russia. Uh, but why would we want to do anything that, that's good for the world? I don't know. Nowadays, it doesn't seem like anybody does. All right, let's take a, a short break. 732-237-9626 is uh, the call number. My name is Lou Skatigna. Don't go away. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. Brick Township has plenty to offer in November and December to celebrate this holiday season. Go grab all your Thanksgiving goodies at the Farmer's Market on Saturday, November 19th from 8.30 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. at Windward Beach Park. The annual tree lighting will take place on Wednesday, November 30th at 5.30 p.m. at Town Hall located at 401 Chambers Bridge Road. Also join them for the menorah lighting on Monday, December 19th at 5.30 p.m. For more info, go to Brick Township Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income with flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be 
could be limitless. Mark could train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. I'm Lou Skatigna, certified financial planner, author, president of AFM Investments, and the host of The Financial Physician, heard each Sunday morning, 7 to 9, right here on 92.7 WOBM, or anytime at thefinancialphysician.com. Don't let interest rates, inflation, and market volatility keep you awake at night. Come to my Tom's River office for a no-obligation, professional diagnosis of your financial health. I'll review your investments, income taxes, and retirement plan. I'll suggest a comprehensive financial estate plan that will improve your financial health, and most importantly, lower your financial risk during these uncertain times. If you are retired or plan to retire, I will show you strategies designed to increase your income and protect your estate from nursing home costs. Call us at 732-905-8100 and get on the road to a healthy financial future. That's 732-905-8100. Join me Sunday mornings, 7 to 9 for The Financial Physician right here on 92.7 WOBM or listen to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Securities transactions through Lee Baldwin and Company, member of FINRA and SIPC, Registered Investment Advisory Service to afford Advisory Group. Call the financial physician now at 732-237-9626. Here's Luz Katigna. All right, we're in the home stretch. Last 30 minutes here of the financial physician. It's the fastest two hours in financial and political talk radio. Thanks so much for joining us. The phone number here is 732-237-9626. If you have a question or comment on the program, uh, if you're just waking up or you just stumbled upon the show while you're driving down the parkway going to Atlantic City, um, uh, you missed uh, an hour and a half of a lot of financial, political commentary here that you won't hear anywhere else uh, on the radio or TV. Uh, we uh, tell it like it is here on The Financial Physician, so don't miss any of it each and every Sunday. If you can't get up early and listen to it live, go to the podcast at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of you listen to the show after the fact, and we don't care how you listen. Live is great, uh, but if you listen uh, on the podcast, that's good too. That's uh, thefinancialphysician.com. On the top, you'll see a tab that says radio. Click on the most recent show, and uh, you'll be able to listen to the two-hour program in its entirety, or you could navigate forward and backwards and listen to the part you missed or listen to it in chunks. Uh, if you're out of our listening area and you want to listen live on Sunday mornings but you can't get the signal, you can listen live on the streaming uh, from the radio station that we have at thefinancialphysician.com. Uh, uh, we always love your emails, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. If you have a personal finance question or something you want me to cover on the show, you have a question uh, that you don't want to call the program about, you don't want to go on the radio, but you want me to talk about it on the show, send me an email uh, and I respond to each and every Email, send me topics you want me to cover. Um, many of you do that. That's thefinancialphysician.com. Great website. We also put up videos of uh, part of this program. And if you're um, in New Jersey here and you're applying for the Anchor uh, Property Tax Rebate Program, there's a lot of confusion about it. Uh, I have a video there. There's a tab uh, at thefinancialphysician.com. It says Anchor Program. Uh, or anchor rebate, uh, go there and I have a, a tutorial video showing you how to go online and doing it uh, uh, that a lot of you have been, been looking at and it's been very helpful from what I'm hearing. Uh, that's the thefinancialphysician.com. Um, now, I was talking about Mayorkas, uh, probably one of the more corrupt guys in um, 
in government. And I was talking about Chuck Schumer, one of the more despicable political creatures we have in uh, in Washington. has been there 40 years or whatever it is. Glasses hanging off his nose like an idiot. Uh, and uh, uh, he's saying now that we need to have amnesty for all 11 million well, it's probably twice that, maybe three times out of illegal immigrants in the United States. And, and why does he say that? He says it because we're not reproducing enough here. Now more than ever, we're short of workers. Uh, we have a population that is not reproducing it on its own with the same level that it used to. The only way we're going to have a great future in America is if we welcome and embrace immigrants, the dreamers and all of them, because our ultimate goal is to help the dreamers, but get a path to citizenship for all 11 million or however many undocumented there are here. Yes, and make them all Democratic voters, of course, and have them all on um, welfare, Medicare, food stamps, free school, free health care. You know what it is. Unbelievable. Creatures we have in Washington are just unbelievable. Uh, Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Joe and Brick. Hi, Joe. How are you? Morning, Lou. Morning. Morning. Listen, you're 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 not calling things as they are. You're talking about how corrupt everything is. But keep in mind, this is legalized corruption. We've spoken about that before. So... You know, everybody's in line. They're, they're doing what they can do, what they can get away with. You know, people only do what they you allow them to get away with, and that's what they're doing. Well, part of it too is a corrupt judicial system. I I said government is corrupt, but let's let's include the judicial system, obviously, where judges don't enforce the Constitution or don't enforce the law. You know, I just 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 yesterday, right in the, in the Herschel Walker Senate race, right? You're not supposed to have early voting in a runoff, right? Well, some Obama-appointed judge said, well, a runoff is not really like a regular election, you know. So, yeah, why not? That's the ticket. You can. Just like that, all it takes. I mean, the system has been so corrupted that nobody follows the law anymore. Think about the, the 2020 election. You know, state legislatures are supposed to make voting laws. No, secretaries of states and governors did. Against the Constitution, and you had courts, including the Supreme Court, who wouldn't even take up the case. So we have lawless society right now. It doesn't matter what the Constitution says. It doesn't matter what laws say. We have a lawless society. We have a lawless judicial system. And uh, we're all going to pay the price for it. You know, it's interesting with the politicians. The politicians in, in the old days, they might have thought something, but they didn't verbalize it because there was a filter. Then when Biden was over there and he talked about you ain't going to get the billion dollars unless you fire that prosecutor. He actually verbalized that. And that was a moment I couldn't believe it. I, I'm saying I'm in dis- watching in disbelief that he's actually saying this because he know he, they know they have absolution and, and, and they know there's no accountability. There's no consequences. And it's been that way ever since. But meanwhile, was Trump alarming. was impeached because of the phone call he had, right, uh, uh, where he didn't threaten anybody. Uh, but here Biden with his own words. Joe, you remember this one? I played it last week. Secondly, we're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. 
he said that too. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter what yeah. you say. Right? If you're a Democrat, it doesn't matter what you say, how egregious it is. This guy is admitting to voter fraud that they put together the most extensive, inclusive voter fraud in American history. I mean, yeah. uh, in most cases, it'd be guilty as charged. Uh, next case. But they don't report it. Yeah. And he's right. right. He's absolutely right. The one thing that Biden's been right about, that he's ever said, is that. Another thing, Lou, you know, I watch the markets every day for years, and I think as, as smart as I think I am, I really didn't I didn't see this coming. Even I told you it was either going to be a market crash or death by a thousand cuts. I, I see individual stocks now, and I'm talking about big-name stocks, from their highs, not year-to-date. That's what they always put year-to-date. But from their highs, a lot of these stocks are down 80, 85, 90% or more. And the market capitalization the other day I heard was like seven seven trillion vaporized from the markets in the past twelve months. You know, it's it just I, I can't believe that I I didn't I didn't even see it. I, I, and I look at everything. I look at commodities. I look at the uh, the uh, treasuries. I look at everything, and it, it it's had to happen so gradually that I actually didn't even understand. You know how how much damage has been done. Yeah, and look, I'm a 20 year professional in the business, and uh, I even own some of those stocks uh, that that have gone down uh, incredibly. Good companies uh, that uh, are down 60, 70, 80 uh, percent. Uh, good businesses, but yeah, I mean, uh, we had an overvalued stock market. We had a market that was. Um, uh, hooked on uh, uh, financial uh, cocaine, which was zero interest rates and quantitative easing, and the money had to go somewhere, and it pumped up, namely the tech stock. I mean, look at uh, I think Facebook is down a trillion dollars in market cap just alone. Right, that's right. Yeah, you know, yep, one yep. company, uh, and uh, Zuckerberg has gone. What is he went? He went from like one hundred and thirty-eight billion dollars to like thirty billion. Poor guy. <laughs> Uh, couldn't happen to a better person, but uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, and you know what? It's not over. That's the thing is that I don't right. see. Wait till you see the earnings implosion that we're going to see. I didn't spend a lot yeah. of time on the economy in the first hour, but uh, we talked about the housing market. Uh, but the bottom line is, Americans now, as we go into the holidays, uh, we are seeing uh, 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 record low import, imports on the West Coast right now. You remember a year ago there was 150 tanker, uh, you know, uh, container ships off the coast of, uh, of California. There's nothing over there now. They have no work yeah. because we stopped importing stuff because. Inventories have gone so high that that retailers aren't ordering anything from overseas, and in a perverse way, that helps the GDP because uh, uh, our trade deficit goes down because we're not importing anything. Uh, and, and in a perverse way, that's why the third quarter GDP was up two point six percent. You take that out, we have a negative GDP. But we're going to have right. a, a pretty horrible Christmas spending season. And if it's not horrible and it's just okay, it's because Americans went deeper into credit card debt uh, to fund the holiday, uh, at which point – and recessions always seem to start uh, in the uh, early part of a year because that's when those credit card bills start coming in. Uh, people who overspent stop spending uh, to try to deal with that credit card debt. Uh, and then the next thing that's going to happen – this is what I expect to happen in the spring – is that Americans are going to stop paying a lot of their debts. 
They're going to stop paying first credit cards because they're too busy trying to keep a roof over their head, food on the table, uh, pay the electric bill. Uh, You know, if you stop paying your credit card, uh, nothing really seems to happen to you initially. Uh, You stop paying your electric bill, the lights go off. You know, you stop buying groceries, your family dies of starvation. You know, you know, you can't go to work if you don't have gas in your car. So Americans are going to prioritize. And one of the priorities, the least prioritized thing is going to be credit card debt. It's going to be uh, car payments. Uh, we're going to see a massive amount of repossessions already started. Uh, we're going to see then foreclosures in the housing market as more and more Americans start going underwater uh, on their mortgages. Uh, and that's going to hurt the financial markets that have securitized all this debt. Uh, in the form of bonds, and it will, I think we're going to have a crisis in 2023 uh, that's going to make 2008 look like a walk through the park. So I, I don't I think agree. the worst is over, unfortunately, and, uh, you know, we're going to have very, very, very uh, uh, challenging to say, uh, to, to use the right, uh, to use an antiseptic word, uh, financial market environment in 2023. And if the Fed is, is, is hell-bent on continuing to raise interest rates here, uh, I think they're making a mistake because I don't really think that inflation is really going to be that affected by it. And I think a lot of these interest rate increases they have are already destroying the economy, and it hasn't even been built into the economy yet because of a six-month lag. Uh, I think they're going too far. And, yeah, they may beat inflation, but they're going to beat inflation because we go into a depression, and the average American family is going to be uh, uh, in, in really bad straits. And, uh, hey, look, can I ask you a question? Yeah. My wife listens to you and I listen to you. She missed this. I heard you say this. The information about Tulsi Gabbard having been inducted into the World Economic Forum. Can you just tell her, because she's listening, that you, you said that? She is. Uh, she has been involved with Klaus Schwab uh, and the World Economic Forum. For those who don't know what the World Economic Forum is, it's something that Klaus Schwab uh, who is the Dr. Evil of the world, uh, the head of uh, Spectre, if you want to use James Bond, or Dr. Evil, if you want to use Austin Powers, uh, or, or Chaos uh, in uh, Get Smart. Uh, he's the evil, uh, evil doctor or whatever that's trying to reset the world economy, uh, make us all poor, depopulate uh, uh, the world, and um, and have this new world order, one currency, the whole thing. And he's trained young politicians uh, for years. He's fi- financed them. He's funded them. He's trained them uh, to be uh, the one world Illuminati government. And some of those people are all parts of world government now. Justin Trudeau in Canada. Uh, Macron in France. Uh, uh, we can go on and on. Uh, anybody who's anybody in, in Western politics that have made it up, many of them have been uh, students of Klaus Schwab. Now, Klaus Schwab at the G20 this week also came out and talked about the reset and everything else. I mean, he still goes out there publicly and says it. Uh, and yes, Gabby, uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who I like, actually, and I was very depressed when I heard yeah. that she was part yeah. of that. Um, yeah. Maybe she is a wolf in sheep's clothing um, that's going to maybe run for president as a Republican and as a woman and, and whatnot. Uh, and then she gets into power and she's part of this great reset. I don't know. Uh, but she, she, is, she definitely Crenshaw. is a World Economic Forum participant. You know, the, the Ben Crenshaw, you know, the veteran who lost his eye. Yes. It, supposedly, he's chummy with Soros's son. He's been seen lunching with him like numerous times. Like, what's going on? Well, look, uh, talk about the second Dr. Evil. 
uh, is George Soros. I, I thought he was the first, but I think he's yeah, the second. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy, I wish he would go away and die for, for something. But his son's taken over for where he is. This guy, his whole goal in life, besides gotten, getting rich, is to destroy America. And the one way he's been doing it is been funding all these district attorneys in states that don't arrest anybody and let everybody out of prison. So we have a crime filled, chaotic uh, inner cities. Uh, and uh, he's never called out on it. Uh, the number one donator to the Democratic Party by far is George Soros. Number two is this guy, Sam uh, Bankman uh, from FTX. The number two. And we know that that's kickbacks from Ukraine. I mean, everything right. is corrupt. I mean, that's the thing I'm trying to get to. Everything, and that's the theme of the show. Everything is corrupt. And uh, uh, and once you become a politician, you know that you money is the lifeblood of political success and, and, and longevity. If you don't have the money flowing your way, look at what um, um, what's his name, uh, the, the Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell. He took away funding from Blake Masters in um, Arizona. He pulled funding. Put it in Alaska. Alaska. Put it in Alaska yeah. for Murkowski yeah. against another Republican yeah. that was backed yeah. by Trump. He took money away from Blake Masters because Trump backed him. He took money away from Dolbeck in uh, New Hampshire, who was closing in on her. He'd rather have a Democrat establishment type person in the Senate and lose the majority than have a renegade. Uh, same is true in the House. McCarthy pulled money from, um, what was the name of that guy? Uh, uh, also a veteran. I think he has no legs. Uh, starts with a C uh, in North Carolina. Uh, anyway, pulled funding in his primary and backed uh, the anti-Trump candidate, and that guy lost his seat. So these right. establishment Republicans, it's all about money. And I think you're talking about, um, who would you bring up first, the, the veteran? Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, no, it's Crenshaw. Ben Crenshaw. Crenshaw. Ben Crenshaw. Uh, he knows now, probably. He's been corrupted. He's been here a couple of years. He realized how the game is played, and he yeah. realized that the puppet masters that decide and select who is going to be part of our government, uh, if you want to be there, you're going to play their game. Uh, and by the way, the other guy uh, in North Carolina, I wish I could remember his name, uh, uh, He uh, he's the one who said, you know, I- I've been... To, gone to some of these political parties and they do cocaine and they all the sexual stuff that goes on. And remember McCarthy called him out. Cuthridge is his name, or, or anyway, uh, McCarthy called him out and said he better get his act together or something like that. And then he actively campaigned against him because you can't talk yeah. about that stuff. You know yeah. how speak, people speak are compromised. Supposedly, speak what happens is sh- shortly after you go to Congress, you're invited to a party. You're slipped a drug. They bring right. you in some back room in a bed. And they put a minor young girl or boy naked in bed with you, and they take pictures and videos, and now they right. have it over you. Right. All right? And now uh-huh. you're part of their team, and now you can't go against it. Yeah. Whether that's yeah. true or yeah. not, I can't prove that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But it wouldn't surprise me. Why did, uh, why did Rush Limbaugh refer to uh, 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 Mitch McConnell as cocaine Mitch. Did you know, you I still I, I still don't know what that, that moniker means. <laughs> I, I've been meaning to research that because what do they mean by every time they call him cocaine? And it's, <laughs> and I don't think it's meant to be denigrated. I, I don't know. Right. I, I don't know what it means. I promise you I'm going to do research this week and find out what cocaine okay. Mitch means. <laughs> All right. But, In the meantime, I've got bad news and I've got good news. All right. Good. The bad news 
I asked my wife last night what we're having for dinner, and she told me white on rye. The good news is tonight we're having rye on white. <laughs> well, at least you could afford the rye. Uh, at least you're not eating crickets uh, or 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 uh, what's the thing out now? Uh, 3D printed steaks. You see this thing? Oh my god! Oh, and the artificial chicken is coming too, Lou. The laboratory grown chicken that's yeah, coming. Yeah, 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 and locusts and all that. All right, let me jump, uh, Joe. Nice call. All right, listen, Lou. Yep. Don't worry about a thing, because it's going to get a lot worse. Well, you've been right so far. I agree. Uh, thanks for the call. San, all right. San Francisco launches guaranteed income program for people who are transgender using taxpayer money. You hear about this one, Paul. San Francisco has launched a guaranteed income program for people who are transgender, and taxpayers are stuck to foot the bill. The Guaranteed Income for Trans People program, which is GIFT, Guaranteed Income for Transgender, GIFT, uh, will provide low-income transgender people with $1,200 monthly check for up to 18 months. Unlike other welfare programs, the checks will be handed over to be spent on anything the person wants without rules or limitations. In addition to the free money, people approved for the program will also be offered services, including gender-affirming medical and mental health care and financial coaching. Now, this is the quote from the San Francisco mayor, London Breed. Our guaranteed income programs allow us to help our residents when they need it most as part of our city's economic recovery and our commitment to creating a more just city for all. We know that our trans communities experience much higher rates of poverty and discrimination, so this program will target uh, support to lift individuals in this community up. Uh, this program, which ironically discriminates based on gender identity... Is necessary because trans people are poor more often. Uh, why are transgender people more poor? Maybe they don't get a job, they don't go to work, they're too busy protesting. I don't know. Now, those applying for the program can choose from 97 different genders and 18 preferred pronouns on the application paperwork. Now, I have the list of the 97 genders. I mean, let me know, Paul, if any of these pertain to you. I'm not going to read them all. Okay. Uh, transgender, non-binary, gender non-conforming, uh, intersex, uh, uh, cisgender woman, woman, transgender woman, woman of trans experience, women with history of gender transition, trans feminine, feminine of center, Male to female, demigirl. Are you a demigirl? What's a demigirl? T girl, trans girl, sister girl, code, code, cisgender man, man, change, you know, it goes on and on and on. Insanity. Insanity. I'm, I'm not on that list. I'm not on that list either. I only, I only, I only did about 15 of them. <laughs> you, you, I didn't hear heterosexual there anywhere, uh, but I guess you have to be transgender. Uh, uh, so yeah, free money for people who are nuts and sick people. Um, here's some good news for you. Uh, as you know, we had, we did have a red wave. We had it in Ohio. We had it in Florida. Any place that there was voter, uh, strict voter ID laws and, and strict voter protections, we had a red wave. The rest of the country that had voter fraud did not. But there was a red wave across the entire country, and namely on down ballots for school school boards and superintendents and everything else. Here's a great article. 
A group of parents who ousted their school board members in South Carolina wasted no time putting in new powers to use by immediately firing their district superintendent and eliminating any vestige of critical race theory in their schools, among other moves. A group of parents who ran for a school board acted at once to fulfill their campaign promises. As soon as a new majority was sworn in to take their place at the Berkeley County School District in South Carolina, they moved. Within the first two hours of their first meeting, they fired school board president, uh, superintendent Dion Jackson, dumped district in uh, district in house counsel Tiffany Richardson, banned any part of CRT curriculum they could find, and launched a committee to evaluate whether certain books in district libraries were age appropriate. Hooray for them! And that's why people finally have got off their butt and ran for these local elections because their kids were involved. More political correct craziness. A trans athlete who couldn't make it anywhere near the podium of the boys track team not only broke a Seattle high school's 5,000 meter girls record, but ended up on the winner's block in a recent competition. Aspen Hoffman, who magically went from 72nd place on the, the team, the, the team boys team to first place on the girls team. <laughs> How about that? 72nd on the man's team, cross country running. And uh, won a record on the women's. Yeah, that's fair to women's. How about this one? After school Satan clubs are popping up all over the United States and parents are fighting back. This time, parents in Bakersfield, California, are expressing outrage after the Satanic Temple set up shop in Golden Hills Elementary School. The after school Satan club will begin monthly meetings in December. Paul Hicks, the leader of the Satan Club, said schools need clubs like this to counter Christian-based clubs. Do you believe this? I mean, 10 years ago, five years ago, we would be talking even about, about this. This is insanity. Uh, so the Golden Hills Elementary School um, said now that they can't really stop it uh, because... Uh, Anybody's allowed to have their free speech and their religious rights? Unbelievable. All right, let's uh, end it with this. Maricopa County, which obviously is Phoenix, Arizona, which is the most corrupt county, largest county in the United States where all the cheating has gone on in Arizona. Well, somebody showed up at the Maricopa County Supervisors meeting, and this is what he had to say to them. Mr. Baker? Good morning. Once again, the eyes of the world are upon Maricopa County for another botched election. Am I here to accuse you of stealing the vote? Heavens no, for that would make me a terrorist, wouldn't it? Let me ask you, if you took your life savings to a bank and the teller put them in a machine and the machine kicked out one out of four of your bills... And the teller said, don't worry, we'll put them in box three over here. And we'll let you know how many were in there later. We'll send them off to a separate location. And someone will be sure to get back to you and tell you how much money you have. Would you be okay with that? No, you would not be okay with that. Now ask yourself the question, which is more valuable, your vote or your money? 
Now ask a lobbyist that same question. Now ask a campaign manager that question. Now ask Mark Zuckerberg that question, which is more valuable, your money or your vote or your country or this world or the corruption that is taking over every single county in this nation? And then you look into your own soul and you look back at yourself in the mirror and realize that you are the cancer that is tearing this nation apart. Good day. Love it. Love it. Uh, People have had enough and you pushed them too far. Oh, boy. That was a quick two hours. It always goes so fast here on The Financial Physician. Thanks so much for joining us. Remember the website. You missed any of our program. you got to go to thefinancialphysician.com where we have the podcast that will be up right after the program. You can listen to it at any time. That's thefinancialphysician.com. Love your emails. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Lou at thefinancialphysician.com. You want to come to my office for a no-obligation financial review. Now more than ever, it's important to do that. 732-905-8100 is my phone number. 732-905-8100. 8100. Remember, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. See you next week.